Hi guys, welcome to episode 18 of the Ask Zophie podcast. As ever, I just want to say thank you for listening, for tuning in. Um, and I also want to ask you a small favour. So hand on heart, the reason I do these podcasts and so much of what I share, which I share for free, is because I have this <laughs> this burning desire to to be of service to be of use to be like even in a tiny way a source of light in this world and of course the more people that listen to this the more people I get to help and I am passionate about that so if you find what I say here today helpful and you know someone that could benefit from this information and you'd be happy to share the link with them, I would be so thankful. So thanks in advance if you do that. Okay, today I am talking about something, I'm, I'm speaking to something that I am crazy passionate about and really it's in, in many respects a subject, uh, the sort of core of everything I talk about. And basically, a lovely lady who I know and who's in my membership and is going through a tough time at the moment. She's posed a question on the topic of negative thinking. And of course, I'm all about uh, garnering, developing, creating this positive mental attitude. And that's obviously the opposite of negative thinking. So something that I talk about heaps and I'm really happy to share on because it is so super duper helpful. So basically, this lovely lady had listened to my podcast episode last week on sleep and she said she gets to sleep okay, but she wakes up in the night, which I can't remember if I covered, but that's really common. Uh, and it's uh, th the reason it happens is either because we are stressed or we are too busy or both. But that's a sort of um, a side issue. So she was asking me, as I said before, about negative thinking and what to do about it. And she also, she also mentioned, uh, not easy for me to say, that when she wakes up in the night, that's when she has, uh, I think in particular, these negative thoughts. And so the first thing I want to say about this is that when, when she's waking up in the night and having those negative thoughts, that is what I would call the effect. I talk about this a lot, the effect or the output. So versus the cause or the input. And as humans, we love to focus on this, on the, the results, on the effect, on the output. And in my work, what I say all the time is I'm about helping people with prevention rather than cure. So it would be like, uh, okay, let's cut down the sugar in your diet versus going to the doctor with diabetes and taking some kind of medication for that. Like We don't want to get to that point in the first place. We don't want to get to the point where we're waking up in the night and thinking all these negative thoughts. So that's really where you get the bang for your buck is in prevention rather than cure. The mind doesn't like this. The mind likes things to get all crazy and all, you know, out of whack and then come in with some dramatic response and a fix. But ultimately what works is just not getting to that place in the first place. And then you don't have such a crazy roller coaster ride through life. So this is the key here. It's about focusing on the cause, the input, prevention, and so we're not getting to that point in the first place. So in terms of 
sort of developing or garnering or creating this positive mental attitude, you can think of it a bit like building a muscle, okay? Of course, if you want to get all pumped, ripped, whatever, (laughs) uh, it takes work, it takes consistent focus and effort. You don't just go in the gym one day, uh, lift a few weights and then, you know, get all pumped up. You obviously have to do that and do it on repeat and again and again. But when you do this, you can guarantee, I talk about this a lot, like your physical body and your mind are the same. If you take right action, it will lead to the results that you want. So say you were really overweight and unfit and flabby and out of shape and whatever, and you started to change what you ate and you ate more healthily, lots of protein, uh, eat the rainbow, all that stuff. And then you started to lift weights and move your body. Of course, the shape of your body is going to change and your brain is exactly like this. Of course, When someone's brain changes, unless you put them into some sort of MRI scanner or whatever, you can't see that. You might see that they've got a bit of a glow or they're smiling more or their demeanor is different, but you can't see what's actually going on inside their skull. But this doesn't change the fact that there are actually physical changes. And some of you will have heard of something called neural plasticity. Basically, They used to think that our brains were sort of hardwired and after a certain point you couldn't change uh, aspects of it. But then, I forget the details of this, many moons ago they, they discovered that London taxi drivers had a certain part of the brain called the hippocampus was more developed than your average person. And of course, it didn't make sense that every single London taxi driver was just coincidentally born with a bigger hippocampus. So the researchers discovered that the brain must be malleable. And of course, what what had happened is because these London taxi drivers had to remember all the different routes around London, that there's like loads that they have to remember to pass the test to become a, a London cabbie, that this had developed their hippocampus. And I can't remember exactly what this part of the brain does. Obviously, it's something to do with... Um, sort of uh, geography I, I can't quite get my words in respect of this sorry about that guys but um the point is that through their learning repetition and storing information in their memory memory banks it literally changed their the, the makeup of of their brain so anyway we call this neural plasticity it means that you can you can change your brain with sort of focus and repetition in the same way that you would a muscle and so when i'm working with children and I give them a little notebook and I get them to write down their best bits of the day every day. The reason for this is because it's getting them to rewire their brains. It's a really simple but potent form of brain training. And I do this with my kids at the dinner table. Every day we go through our best bits because the truth of the matter is when you're focused on what's gone well, what you've liked, what you're looking forward to and so on and so forth, you are not focused on the opposite of that. And what what they say in neuroscience is what, what fires together, wires together. So if you worry less or you quit worrying, the neural pathways in your brain that are responsible for worrying will wither and die. What happens, I think it's overnight, is that the synapses just get um, trimmed away. So what I did in my life and what I've taken every client with whom I've worked through in terms of the process is learn through practice and and repetition to stop 
kind of disturbing yourself uh, with your thoughts, thinking negative, worrisome, fear-based thoughts, and start to learn to soothe yourself with your thoughts. That is, in essence, what it's all about. And through doing this, you you know, if, if you were to put me in an MRI scanner when I was 15 or 20 versus now, my brain is going to look way different. So, this thing, neuroplasticity, it's 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 a thing, it works, it's something that you can invoke, you can make use of to your advantage. And I want to share just some of my favorite practices to help you literally rewire your brain. So if you're a worrier, uh, there are two questions I would suggest you start using when you notice that you're worrying. The first is, what might happen instead? Okay, so the worry might be... Um, I'm going to lose my job because of something to do with Corona or uh, they're making cuts, whatever it might be. I'm going to lose my job. So what might happen instead? I might keep my job. Uh, I might get a better job. And of course, the mind's always going to come in and go, well, that's not true. That's not likely to be true. You've got to remember, worrying never helps. Worrying ups your stress levels. It tells your primitive, your ancient brain that you're in danger and it makes you stupid. So ultimately, take take out of the equation whether the job's getting lost or not. Even if it does get lost, you don't want that stress-producing, stress-promoting part of your brain in control, the stupid part of your brain in control. The other thing, which is too big a topic to go into right now, is that there is such a thing, which many of you will be aware of, as law of attraction. And so what you're focusing on on repeat, you're emitting the energy and the expectation and the belief out into the universe, and it's responding to that. So there are lots of arguments for for not uh, sort of using those worry-based, fear-based thoughts. So what might happen instead? And the second question, so, 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 so powerful, is what do I need to hear? What do I need to hear? So you're in that situation and your brain's telling you, I might lose my job. I'm going to lose my job. What do I need to hear? Everything's going to be okay. Whatever happens, I'm going to be all right. I can get another job. This might not happen. This is about learning to soothe yourself, as I was saying before, versus freak yourself out with your own mind. That's exactly what I used to do. And many of you will recognize I used to just scare the bejesus out of myself and worry about things practically 24-7 when I was awake, probably when I was asleep as well in some way, shape or form. But I have learned through practice and determination and persistence to mostly fill my mind with thoughts that feel good. You can do it too. Okay, so what might happen instead and what do I need to hear? The other thing that's super helpful is to start to use affirmations. Um, Actually, on that note, um, one of my favorite, favorite affirmations to use, especially when things seem more messed up, is I will make this work for me. Some of you will know when I was getting divorced, I used that on repeat because there were so many unknowns. Uh, how how am I going to manage financially? Where am I going to live? How am I going to work because I'm losing my workspace? All these different things. And it's like, no, I'm not going to delve into that um, what if box. I'm going to just focus on whatever happens, I will make this work for me. It's so empowering, so aligning. So affirmation, when you are affirming 
when you're focused in a positive or a neutral way, even just neutral, you are not focused on the negative. That's what's key. It's not even so much being all happy, clappy and positive. It's taking out the negative. One of my favorite teachers, Abraham Hicks, say that your well-being is like a cork that's bobbing on a body of water. If you don't hold it under, it will bob right back up. And so when you take away the negativity, it's bobbing back up. So affirmations. Louise Hayes, really famous one, all is well, is an awesome one to use. There are so many out there. You can also make your own affirmation by asking that question, what do I need to hear? And then answering it. There will always be an answer because your soul always has something to whisper at you. It doesn't typically shout, but it will always have something to say. You've got to get quiet enough to hear it. But if you're able to do that and hear it, then you can use that as your bespoke pertinent for the situation in the moment affirmation. Really, really helpful. Another thing that I do every day, every morning as part of my sort of morning ritual is I write down 10 things that I'm grateful for. Again, this is about brain training. It's about getting me to focus. And when I'm doing that, I'm not worrying. I'm not complaining. I'm not I'm not concerned about things. You can't be doing both at the same time. So this is something that I would really suggest. Again, when I was going through my divorce, more than perhaps at any other time, I was so focused on giving thanks. Loads of things around me were screwed up and messed up and uncertain. I wasn't pretending, oh, I love getting divorced. This is like the time of my life. But I knew that me focusing on it was just going to make it worse. So in spite of that, I'm not pretending it's not happening. But within that, I'm going to focus on the things that I can still give thanks for. The other thing that I do that actually is a practice I got from the book that I would really recommend, by the way, called The Magic by Rhonda Byrne is every night before I go to sleep, I think through the good things that happened in the day and I pick my one favorite thing. Again, this is getting you to, to focus. These things are simple, but with consistency, with practice, they are powerful. Also, it's about what you're not doing. So me, for example, I haven't watched the news or read a newspaper for many, many years now, probably 15 or 16 years. I would avoid gossip, um, Things on TV that, you know, are about murder, sexual assault, children going missing, all of that heavy stuff just wouldn't watch because for me, it's going to affect my vibration. It's going to affect my energy, my mindset. And anything that has a negative impact on that is too big a price to pay because that is the starting point for everything in in your life. I'm also really mindful of conversations that I'm having. If it goes really negative, I don't freak out and say, I'm not talking about this. Why are we talking about this? I will just like maybe subtly excuse myself or try and change the topic or maybe then, you know, if if the people I'm with seem to seem sort of hell bent on talking in that way, then I would see less of them. Um, And also just really mindful of the movies I'm watching, the, the books I'm reading and so on and so forth. These things are so important if you care about sort of living the life that as you as you living a life that you design on purpose like consciously manifesting being in control of what comes to you so key the other thing to know is that our ancient human brains have a negativity bias so this was really helpful way back when when we lived in caves right you know if you heard a rustle in the bushes it would make sense to go that could be something deadly it's going to kill me i'm going to freaking run or I'm just going to, you know, freeze. I'm, I'm going to really be on guard here. Because if you didn't, you could be dead. And life was way more dangerous back then. But of course, for most of us, we don't tend to be in these life or death situations. But we still have this ancient brain that's not designed 
for thriving. It's designed for survival. So if you want to do more than survive in today's day and age, you have to address the balance of that negativity bias. And the things that I'm talking about here will help you do that. I also really love and would really recommend a process called the work. Some of you might be um, aware of this. Can't think of the word I wanted to use then. <laughs> uh, it's by a woman called Byron Katie. She's really freaking awesome. You can go online, just Google the work and get a worksheet. It will take you through this process again with repetition. It really helps you to see the situation isn't scaring me. My story about the situation is scaring me. So I'd really recommend that. And I've talked about this book probably on this podcast before and definitely it's on my Instagram grid. It's a book called Letting Go by David Hawkins. It's really all about mindfulness. This is also key because as you learn to observe the mind, to observe the thoughts and realize that you don't need to believe everything that the mind tells you. And just because it says it doesn't mean it's necessarily true. This also helps you to not get caught up. And as you're, as you're doing this, your level of consciousness is rising. And as your level of consciousness rises, you leave behind the negativity because the negativity is naturally embedded in the lower levels of consciousness, not the higher levels. So the final thing I want to say is also sometimes over the years, I've seen clients and I've done it myself too, where you just get so focused on the mindset stuff. And, you know, thought processes. And sometimes this can happen when you're involved in CBT because it can be really heavy and mind focused that you you get all stuck here and you forget to just have fun because you can do all these really great things. And naturally, I am a fan of them and would suggest them and put them forward. But also sometimes just going out to the movies, going out and dancing, going out to a show, uh, playing tennis with your mates, whatever it is, just having a laugh, that is worth its weight in gold. So don't get too bogged down in the heavy stuff. Um, it's keeping that balance right. Socializing, having fun, producing those feel-good chemicals in those other ways is also absolutely key. But the main thing, as I've said before, is, is this is about taking you from a space and a place where you are being sort of used by your mind, really. Uh, and, and it's controlling you and it's freaking you out because you're believing the scary stories, the negative tales that it's telling you. And learning through practice and repetition to soothe yourself with your mind, with your thoughts. That's the journey that you're taking. And trust me, if I can do it, my brain is crazy as I promise you, then anyone can do it. And naturally, in the 15 years that I've been doing my job, I've helped many hundreds of people do do the same. All sorts of personalities, all sorts of kind of types of brains, some of them particularly analytical and obsessive, like my brain is one of the toughest to work with. So I promise you, if you decide that you've had enough and you start doing this, you can do it. Just like anyone can train their muscles, anyone can train their brain, anyone can take themselves from being low and negative to happy and positive, I promise. Okay, I super hope that you found this helpful. I will be back next week with another episode. Uh, I think I know what I'm going to do on because I've already got a great question. Oh, and by the way, if you do have any questions, please get in touch. Because uh, of course, if I don't have any questions, I can't answer them. <laughs> I really appreciate those. Thanks so much for listening. And I will be back next week. Lots of love, guys.